Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Conversations with Kisi. My name is Beja, and I am the GA for our Kisi office. However, we do have a very special guest and also a CDL member um, to kind of host this event. And I will kick it off to Davis to start the conversation. Hey, everyone. Um, I want to introduce Grant Negris, who is a 2020 graduate from the Kelly School of Business. He majored in finance and business analytics and during his time at IU, I got to know him a little bit through the CLD organization, but he's also really involved with ABP, where he went on a couple trips, um, as well as being um, in the consulting workshop. And now he started his uh, career at the, as a financial analyst at Charles Rivers Associates in Chicago, Illinois. So I'll pass it over to Grant and uh, let him give a quick introduction about himself if I missed anything there, but really excited to be speaking with you today. Yeah, no, thanks, Davis. Uh, you hit it right on the head graduated just crazy, a little less than a year ago. Uh, currently just moved into my Chicago apartment, uh, was living at home for, for the past year, but yeah, working at Charles River Associates. And it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's called economic consulting. And long story short, kind of doing analysis for when business and law intersect and come up across a, a lot of interesting cases and I'm particularly with the finance group. So I've enjoyed that. And it's been a, definitely a, an adjustment coming from school. But yeah, I was heavily involved with, with Kesey. Um, my junior year was, was president of, of civic leadership development and also did an ABP trip my junior year and then did another ABP trip my senior year. And I see Devanshi, she's in the crowd. She uh, was on both of those with me. So those were a lot of fun. And then also helped out with the Kelly, Kelly 5K. And hopefully that will come back around. But yeah, loved my time at IU, loved Kesey, and still talk to my advisors all the time. And they've helped me out a lot with, with the nonprofit that I'm trying to start. And yeah, just really grateful to, for, for everything that Kesey provided me. Yeah, we're definitely going to like dive into your professional work, um, as well as your work with social impact. But I kind of wanted to start it off and ask you what your favorite memory um, as part of the Bloomington community for your four years at IU was. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking about, you know, what was my favorite memory from IU? And I'd have to say, uh, and it's not because this is a key C panel, but I really enjoyed uh, going on to the AVP trips. And for me, I did it my junior year during spring break where I really wanted to, you know, maybe go somewhere warm and relaxed, but got in a small sedan because our car rental place didn't give us a, a big van and packed five of us in a sedan, drove down to Houston, Texas, and got to help build homes from, um, from victims of Hurricane Harvey. And then did another one my senior year, but uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, where we worked with a refugee uh, with, with some refugees. And why I really enjoyed those experiences were I got to meet a ton of, uh, ton of really cool people from very different backgrounds than me. And I think, you know, it's easy in this day and age to, to get caught up in the way like we receive news through your social media or whatever news channels you see and form your opinions about things. But the ABP trips were really cool because you got to see some issues that, you know, I'm from Illinois, like I've never thought about a hurricane or I've seen it on the news, but 
I don't know, just never really thought about something like that and going down there and seeing that or, or same with refugees. And uh, I felt like I feel like one of the best ways to educate yourself is to to go into those environments and and learn about it firsthand. But then, yeah, also just had a lot of fun blasting old music and driving around the cities and hanging out with the group. So uh, it was just a lot of fun. Awesome. And you've been working full time now for a couple months. I was wondering, like, what the biggest adjustments to that were coming from college and that, um, as well as like moving to the city of Chicago. How has that adjustment been? Yeah, no, I've it's definitely been an adjustment. And I feel like anyone would say that. I'd say the hardest thing about working right now, and maybe you guys feel this too, being students still, but it's the separation of work life or working from home and not really having much separation from your work life because it can be, you know, around this time, almost, almost 5.30 my time, which is technically when I am like free to go, but you have all these outstanding projects and things that it's just like, well, if I'm going to sit on the couch anyways and have my computer, why not work on it? And so you got to set these boundaries for yourself of I'm not going to work 18 hours a day and I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go on a walk. And so I'd say that's been the biggest adjustment, at least starting off wanting to impress everyone and not, uh, you know, not look bad. But I really enjoyed my work and it's it's, it's different than school, but it's, it's a lot of the same. I feel a lot of the habits you are developing right now will carry over into the professional world. Well, we hope you're not working too hard um, in your free time. Have you been able to pick up any hobbies or have some fun? Yeah, I got really into, into running back when the pandemic started. Just was the easiest way to get out of the house. And if any of you have run a marathon, I'd like to speak to you probably because I'm hoping to do that. I play guitar. I've still been doing that a lot. Um, and honestly, I don't know if I call it a hobby, but yeah, this whole project I'm going to talk about today has really taken up a lot of my free time and been something that I started thinking about back in April. And it's been really cool to, because sometimes you have an idea for something and you can talk to people about it and get feedback, but then there's a difference between just having an idea and like acting on it and actually starting to progress towards it. And so we're very, very close to, to launching it. And it's just been a really cool journey that I'm excited to, to talk about. Yeah, so I guess for a little context, it's your nonprofit, A Drop in the Desert is the name of it. And I was kind of wondering what got you inspired to do this and what is the main mission of that organization? Sure, yeah, so it's, it's called A Drop in the Desert, like you said. And I can share my screen and maybe just show you the landing page of the website that, that I've been building out to give you better context. Is that okay? Cool. All right. So before I get into it, a drop in the desert in one sentence, it's, it's really connecting two issues that I'm, that I'm passionate about. On, on one side of the coin, you have food deserts. And I'm sure you guys have heard of a food desert. And essentially, it's, a, it's measured by different metrics, but it's an area that just doesn't have a lot of access to, to food, particularly fresh produce. And they could be limited by the distance that they live from the grocery stores. They could be limited by the income that they have or even some more uh, 
macro level factors, say like your transportation or access to public services. And it could be any combination of those factors really, but preventing people from getting access to, to food. And then you also have local farms that, and when I say local, I mean smaller farms, small, small local farms, particularly in Illinois, at least is what I'm starting with, and supporting the, the small business of those organizations that you know were impacted by the pandemic as well, but also just practice really good growing processes and follow organic guidelines and are um, you know, just supporting the, the community through that. And so it's supporting both of those sides. And I know that wasn't one sentence, but in one sentence, it's getting farm fresh local produce to people living in food deserts and then educating them on how to prepare and cook healthy meals from home. So the first half of it is, you know, getting food to them through the farm and finding these individuals. But I'm also partnering with you can think of my organization as a connector. So connecting farms to people in food deserts, but I'm also connecting with other established nonprofits, such as our partner. Our first partner right now is located in Naperville, Illinois, and they are helping people who were previously homeless transition back into the real world. And our initial client base, probably six to 10 families, is going to be through that organization. And we want to partner with them because they have a lot of educational expertise. They have coaches that hold people accountable. And really, we are a fundraiser and a connector. And so, you know, I don't have a ton of expertise in, in nutrition. And I'm not, I can't grow food on my own. But essentially, just connecting some organizations that haven't been connected before. And yeah, you can see from the, from the landing page here, Trying to trying to play on the on the phrase of a drop or just the imagery of a desert. And when I was doing my research and coming up with this idea, there's a ton of organizations that help with getting food to people, but there wasn't really one that focused specifically on food deserts. And I think there's a lot of imagery of deserts and food deserts that overlap. So this is a landing page. And yeah, the three steps like I was sort of talking about, we're serving food deserts, supporting local farms, and then trying to educate people along the way. And I'd say this third step is for sure the most important, important step, um, you know, teaching them how to, how to prepare raw ingredients. Because the truth is, raw produce is super intimidating. And, but I'm, I'm choosing to, to start off with through our partnership with the farm, just raw vegetables, because I'm a believer that what you prepare from home and knowing how to cook food will really translate into how your perception of food and how you view it. And while it might not be the easiest, not, not a pre-packaged meal already, teaching people that discipline and also making them feel dignified through the process, I think is really cool. So I could go on and on about the specifics of like how we'd educate them and what this is all going to look like, but that's it in a nutshell. And just to give you an update, I've, or going back to Davis's question, actually, like this whole idea started off completely different. And I think that's one of my main messages for everyone today, whether it's your internship that you land, your full-time job, 
your involvement at school, your friends, your relationships, whatever it may be, things, you have a vision for how things are going to go. And I found that, that mine have just gone totally different than I expected, but I've always been really grateful for that. And so this in particular, what started off as, as a hot sauce idea, like I wanted to make, I wanted to be the Burt's Bees of hot sauce. Uh, so I don't know. I like hot sauce a lot and wanted to make an LLC. So this, this is a 501c3, which means it's uh, donations are tax deductible. And that's what most nonprofits are set up legally. And there's a lot more complexity that goes into a 501c3 than, it, than does an LLC, both monetarily, uh, just time-wise. Like if you ever want to start a nonprofit, you probably, or a lot of people just recommend doing it through some attorneys because you don't want to miss anything and you're going through the IRS and it's really complicated. And I think the government makes it that way so that, well, essentially they're not getting tax, you know, they're not collecting tax money from these donations, but don't want to, they want to deter people probably from setting up something that they don't know what they're getting themselves into. But yeah, I wanted to make hot sauce and I, this summer made a bunch of like different hot sauces in my kitchen and was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I just want to donate the proceeds from this hot sauce. And I came up with this, actually, it's probably in here. Um, I have a little marketplace. I, I might one day make hot sauce and have like this marketplace of different items that tie into sustainability that have an emphasis on food. But if I actually were to click on it, this is all like really rough draft right now. But yeah, I had this like whole drop hot sauce idea that uh, I didn't end up turning it into anything because the amount of hot sauces I'd have to sell to, to purchase the, the food from the farm would be, uh, would just be a ton. And I feel like I could have a much bigger impact doing it through being able to collect donations as well. So we are probably two months ago, finally submitted all the paperwork and like due diligence to become 501c3 eligible. And the IRS just takes two to three months to get back to you, uh, whether or not you'll meet that criteria. So I'm just waiting right now, technically to, to get that approval. But um, I'm, I'm going back and forth. I need to let the farm know. We were hoping to launch for this main growing season and partner with, like I said, six to 10 families. But uh, I need to be able to pay them on time or you know, collect donations and then pay the farm on time and just don't want things to be rushed. So there's a chance that, and I'm really hoping since it's Illinois and we don't grow food or food doesn't grow here very well other than the summer and spring, I'm hoping to launch here in like the next month or two. But if not, we're definitely gonna start in the fall. So I know I'm jumping all over the place, but is there anything specific you, you want me to, to touch on regarding this topic? Yeah, well, I guess I'll, I will first say, if you figure out the hot sauce, um, you got your first customer over here, but. <laughs> well, if you, if you wanna know, I, so I, I went to a hot sauce manufacturer back when I was like really serious about, I just wanted to do something with all, you know, being, having graduated school and knowing that my job was delayed till October. And so I went to a hot sauce manufacturer and I was really set on wanting to create a custom flavor or like come up with my recipe. Um, but 
there's a lot more complexity that goes into that. And I'm not an expert on fermentation or creating hot sauce and, or especially ones that you don't need to put in the refrigerator. So I went to a manufacturer and they, they could bottle custom hot sauces, but they also have a bunch of private label flavors. So flavors that they've already made and that are, you know, certified to, to meet all those standards. And yeah, the guy gave me like this whole box of hot sauces to sample. And I found a few flavors that are really good and I could just put my logo on it and have, have it as an item on the marketplace eventually, but that'll be next steps, but I'll, I'll let you know when the hot sauce is launched. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. I guess another question that I kind of came up with was what have you learned about like entrepreneurship through this experience? Yeah. You know, I think one of the, and it's still probably one of the biggest challenges right now is one, the time that goes into it. And I was on the bench or wasn't really staffed on many cases when I first started work. So I had a bunch of time to, to start making this website and uh, you know, this is through Squarespace, but learned how to, I'm not, I'm not a marketing guy. Like I'm a finance guy. I know Davis, you said you're trying to create some shirts. Like this isn't my natural thing that I'm best at, but had to find the time to come up with this or, or outsource it to someone and probably pay money. But I wanted to, uh, wanted to challenge myself. So I'd say the, the time that goes into it, just a lot of time. And then what I was alluding to earlier, I think there's a big difference between like, we all have our goals and I'm nowhere near even like, I would say achieving this as a goal because we haven't launched yet and just starting really small, but you know, you have a goal in mind, whatever it may be. And there's just a big difference between thinking it and then actually starting to do it. And I've been uncomfortable in some situations, not in a bad way, but just like finding the time when I'm tired after work to, to email some people or taking that first step to, to go meet the farmers and, and like pitch this idea to them. And I'd say just being comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's just not, you're not going to feel comfortable most of the time when you're trying out a new idea. So I'd say that was the biggest thing. And still, yeah, like you're, you're your biggest cheerleader and it's, it's cool to like run ideas by people and have them say, yeah, this is awesome. Or, Hey, I recommend you do this. But uh, at the end of the day, if you don't act on it, it's probably like this idea won't happen if I don't continue to act on it. But then the last thing I'd say is, yeah, use, using your network of people. And I've connected a lot with my KC advisors that I knew at IU and even some professors that I had and running things by them. And I'm no expert on 501c3s or nonprofits, but they provided a ton of guidance and, yeah, just delegate things where you can and rely on other people. I think that's a great segue to kind of talk about the balance of your professional life as well as really trying to make a difference in the community. So could you give, uh, I guess, the students listening any advice for people that are really passionate about social impact, but also want to kind of go into one of those more consulting, accounting, banking type careers as well? Yeah. So you by no means have to like start an organization of your own or yeah, like 
I don't know, try making a nonprofit and, and balancing that with your work. Cause part of me, I'm sometimes I'm like, why, why did I start getting myself into this? Uh, so you have to constantly remind yourself and have those conversations of like, why, like getting at the why if you do things, it's like, why am I doing this? Uh, there's a lot of fuzz around the stresses that we feel every day. And sometimes if you just ask yourself, why am I feeling this? Why am I stressed out about this? Why is this making me worry or anxious? Uh, like at least for this, a drop in the desert, it's it all, I have to remind myself of that first feeling I had when like I was thinking of it and getting excited to ultimately help serve people and, and maybe help them improve their nutrition and, and communities that need it the most. And so, yeah, just driving at the, driving at the why and I was going to say something. Um, yeah, by no means, I think the biggest thing that you can do if you're interested in social impact and, you know, your professional career is just continue to, to educate yourself because, and whatever that may be, maybe it's volunteering like once a month at, at a, and that's something I want to do now, now that I'm down here, but pick an organization and just get out there and like put yourself in that environment, getting back to those ABP trips. I think that's the simplest thing you can do. And it's really easy right now to, to look at everything through our phone and like form our opinions that way, uh, especially when it's like hard to get out. But hopefully here in the near future, we can start doing more of getting out there. So yeah, on, a, on just a small level, continue to educate yourself. and. I think, yeah, you don't need to, you can definitely have the both of them. And for me, I know, like I see my long-term career as probably being in social impact, but I wanted to be really, really challenged. Not to say social impact jobs aren't challenging, but this is just the job that worked best for me like coming out of school. But I, I don't, you know, think it's gonna be the last place I end up. So just realizing that you have a, a ton of time and that your first job, I don't know, if you talk to your parents or I feel like people that are our parents' ages and ask them what they did for their first job, they'd tell you something very different than what most students out of IU are coming out and doing. So we're really young and we have a ton of time. And yeah, like I'm just a year older than, year or two older than you guys. So you can definitely balance it. Yeah, I think that's great to have that perspective because you are like just starting your career now. There's a world of opportunity ahead of you. So it's a cool way to look at it. I guess reflecting back on your college experience then, um, I know you're really involved with a lot of organizations, but was there anything that you wish you did more of or maybe less of um, during college? Yeah, well, it's funny. And maybe you guys feel the same way, but a lot of my friends, we... I felt worse for the grade below me that just uh, like we missed out on maybe two months of our senior year, but transitioning and what was last fall, I feel like was really difficult for, for you guys. And so I, I truly didn't feel like I missed out on anything that I wanted to do at IU other than maybe study a little less and I don't know, have some fun my last two months of senior year. But I think, one of the biggest, and I, I might've said it earlier, but things just don't always go the way you expect. Like 
I got involved with CLD because freshman year, my I was not involved with anything. My mom uh, would text me on the weekends and say, hey, I found this club online. Like my mom found CLD through the Kelly website. She was like, you're going to go volunteer. And I was like, okay. So I would go volunteer on the weekends. And that turned into then I wanted to apply for the board. And CLD has three different departments. And one of them was marketing. And that was like the one I didn't want to do going back. I'm just not a marketing guy. But they the only position that they offered me was a marketing position. So I was like, okay, I'll try that out. And then ended up, yeah, becoming uh, like the president of it my junior year. And would have never expected that to happen. Or Davis had touched on some of my other involvement at school, certain clubs. I had friends that, you know, I thought I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be an accountant. Nothing, nothing wrong with an, being an accountant. A lot of my job actually, it would be helpful if I was an accountant. But uh, just like my major whole trajectory changed. All the clubs I thought I wanted to be in, involved with changed. Even my internship, my junior year, I wasn't super sure that like I wanted to to do that, but I was at um, Blue, Blue Cross Blue Shield and like was interested in healthcare, but I thought I wanted to do consulting. So didn't know how that was going to go, but believe it or not, that's how I was introduced to the idea of the food deserts because I learned about a program that they had there where they were just piloting it in Chicago, but delivering pre-cooked meals to to zip codes considered food desert. So I got to make my capstone project about that and ended up seeing that, yeah, one of the largest health insurers in the country just wasn't, uh, it wasn't really reaching a lot of people or having that big of an impact when we actually got down to the numbers. But that eventually planted the seed of, of this idea that I shared with you today. Uh, and even where I'm working today, I, I didn't think I'd be be doing this type of specific work, but I don't know, when I reflect back on it, I'm just really happy with the way things turned out. So my biggest advice would be to just go where the wind takes you. I don't know if that's a weird way to put it, but just be open to new ideas. And like, it's really easy to get in our own bubbles and just be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I think like coming to college, I had a similar experience of how I got involved with CLD as well. Like my roommate from freshman year just dragged me to one event. And then after that, I kind of kept going to a few more and got a place on the board. So um, CLD has been great for me as well. And looking forward to keeping being involved again next year. So I guess going along that line, did you like, what were your biggest takeaways from those leadership positions that you were in? Um, or were there any good lessons that you learned from being like the president of that organization? Yeah, I think a lot of leadership from your undergrad ties into even the, the work that you do professionally. And there's probably three things I could think of off the top of my head. The first one is like be, be deliberate. So in the, in the questions you ask and the things you say to people, like, I don't know, don't dance around the edges and just drive to the point. Um, Cause I don't know, sometimes I like would put things on myself or, or not delegate things as much that maybe I should have. And uh, if I just was more like honest with people or told them, Hey, like I'm feeling 
little stressed like balancing all of this um, and just using or relying on the people around me more. And that's still something that goes on at work too. Like, especially in the virtual environment, it's tough to want to ping your manager or your coworkers and you'd rather just be able to go and ask them in person or like lean over your desk. But just like if you're deliberate and concise with what you say, you're not going to waste anyone's time. And then I'd say be coachable, like just be, it's really weird. I just had it this week getting feedback, like for the first time uh, that's, that's like, you know, maybe you've had it your internship or, but like in your full-time job, like getting, getting feedback is, is super helpful, but being able to, yeah, just be coachable and, and take that and try to grow from the good and the bad that you're told. So I know, I know like a lot of people. So one of the things I was also involved with at school was club baseball. I did my freshman and sophomore year and I just knew we had a really, really old coach who was actually the old varsity coach at IU, like Bobby Knight, the guy who like threw the chair on the basketball court when he was the, when he was the basketball coach, our coach, his name was Bob Morgan. He was the baseball coach, like the varsity baseball coach. I think he has like the top 10 wins in division one history. Like he's kind of a, a legend, I guess, but this guy was 70 mid seventies in better shape than any of us. And he was somehow our club coach, but I knew a lot of people on the team and he was like very old fashioned. Uh, I knew a lot of people that just like couldn't take criticism from him. And as soon as you show that it's uh, whether it's you're playing a sport or in a club, I think uh, that's when you, I don't know, start to show like some weakness, but yeah, just be coachable and don't take things too personally. Uh, And then I'd say, I'd say the last one is just to be mindful of other people. Like at the end of the day, we're all on the same boat and like trying to accomplish the same things and like, don't get too caught up in school or your grades. Like, I mean, I definitely cared a lot about my grades and focused on that, but at the end of the day, like that's an A versus an A minus or a B plus versus a B or whatever it may be. Like no one's going to remember you for that no one's really going to see your GPA uh, other than like employers. I'm not saying get a bad GPA, but uh, I feel like we're really hard on us, hard on ourselves. And uh, people are just going to remember your relationships with them and just being mindful of the bigger picture. So yeah, I'd say be deliberate, be coachable and just be mindful. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Great advice there. I guess I kind of wanted to wrap it back to your nonprofit a little bit. And so are there any ways that the students watching or the students at IU could get involved, help out around there, maybe do something remotely or just donate? Sure. Yeah. Here, I'll share my screen one more time. I didn't really walk you guys through everything, but, um, you know, I'm, I feel like the most common response would be like, Hey, when this goes live, like donate. And, I'm starting off super small. Like we're really not raising a ton of money at least to start off with. But I would say, just going back to that, to that whole point of educating yourself. Uh, like I've tried to format this and I'm not gonna go through all of it, but like typing out a 
a bit of a lengthy explanation for like why food deserts and like linking it to all the the research that I've done or like why local farms and just understanding like what this is actually trying to impact and like f I feel like food disparities like that will never just the way our world is set up will never be 100% solved but there's so many different ways you can help at least with food and at least for me I feel like food is something I often overlook or like don't think about to realize how you know how fortunate I am to to have nutritional food almost every day or whenever I want it uh, but that's really the foundation for your health and your like your confidence about yourself and your view of the world in a lot of ways so yeah just I would say when I when this when this goes live maybe check it out and look into it I've tried to you know, explain everything why. Uh, so we're going, we're, we're using some community supported agriculture. It's called a CSA. So it's almost like a box of food you would get every week from the farm. And yeah, this is all very, very much in the draft stage still, but talk about the farm we're partnering with, talk about uh, the other nonprofit that we're working with uh, and why we've chosen them. So yeah, there's just a lot of cool topics that we're connecting at once and I'm excited to I don't know playing off the the term like drop just a drop in the desert like it's really small and right now we're starting off very small but my my goal for this would be to eventually connect with other farms around Illinois or even some in Bloomington and use like the communities there to be able to have a little network of uh being able to yeah distribute that produce and there's all sorts of overlaps in terms of how this could relate to a food bank or how um like feeding america or other organizations that connect people to food but i see us as being differenti differentiated by uh specifically just the or like the organic vegetables that, that's what, what we're starting with and maybe moving into fruits as well uh, but I'd love to, yeah, eventually like partner with maybe some other other organizations to have more of like a meal kit that people prepare from home, but all just supporting local organizations and uh, yeah, just starting very small. So I'd say the best thing you could do is educate and yeah, if you if you wanted to donate, that'd be great. But um, yeah, that's what I'd say. Awesome. We'll definitely check it out. When is your like target date that you're going to get the website going live and the whole thing running? Yeah. So if it's, if it's, if, if it's not here in the next two to three weeks, then it'll start in the fall just because the farm that we're partnering with has what's called five shares. It's so like a share of food could be used for a whole family throughout the growing seasons. Say it's like 26 weeks and that could be distributed. Yeah. For like a, family of four but we have five of those and so because we're buying it giving the farmers a profit as well like they're not donating the food to us because one of our points is to support them it's it's like a decent amount of money per share and so all in we're probably looking to raise around like 3,500 to like 4,000 for at least a whole year um, and everything that goes into it and so in order to meet that obligation, 
uh, they would want their the donations received by like mid-May and so almost a month away. And so I'm just going back and forth. I think we could raise the funds pretty quickly just through the network of people that I've told this about on, on my end. But I also want to make sure that like I'd love to have some other aspects of it set up, like maybe have a spice drive where people donate. Uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't think about the seasoning or like flavoring the food or, and like donating that or having a, a loan program where people can, or a, maybe not a loan program, but having a way for people to donate different kitchenware, like a food processor or pots and pans that these families might not have the best quality of or have at all. And so there's so many different ways I want to, or so many things I want to explore beyond just donating the food to people. So I, yeah, I got to make up my mind soon. And to be honest, just been having some really late nights with work like the past month. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I would love to do mid-May, um, but I'm working on getting some insurance and waiting to hear back from the, uh, the IRS for like my eligibility. So with, if those are resolved here in the next week or so, probably will be this, uh, this summer, but if not, we're going to partner with the farm for the fall growing season. So it's definitely going to start this year and just not 100% sure yet, which, which stinks, but I don't know. We've come a long way and, didn't really know we'd get all the way here. So we're close. Awesome. We'll keep us updated on that. But other than that, that's all the questions I had. I'd like to open it up if anyone in the audience would like to ask her any questions as well. Grant, I have a question. So I know you um, really point out or emphasize the the point of educating yourself or educating um, the people who are helping you out, um, even with your own not-for-profit and even while you were an undergrad, um, just educating yourself in general of, on a certain topic. So I guess as you started out your own not-for-profit, how did the research aspect of that go? And then how did you start to gather that information in order to make yourself informed and have you know informed discussions on things around social impact topics. I know there's a lot of them and we all don't sometimes may not be aware of the broad aspect of how many topics or things that fall underneath social impact. So I guess, where would you consider starting your research for social impact? And then like taking a deeper dive into, I guess, making informed decisions or having informed uh, facts around a certain topic per se. Sure. And just to make sure I understand your question, are you talking about a topic that you would know about in advance or if you were just wanting to explore a topic in general, where you would, where, where you would look? Um, we can start with a topic that you're already interested in. So let's just start with your topic for per se. Like where did you start your research for your own non-for-profit? And then like, how did you kind of like stem off of that and realize that like, okay, I just can't do my own research on my own. Like I have to ask other people eventually. Yeah, well, to be honest, the research for this project all stemmed from that internship I was telling you about uh, when I was at Blue Cross Blue Shield. And at least when you're, when you're thinking of it from a health insurance perspective of how did like the, the two how, how do the two ideas of food deserts and insurance blend together? And obviously 
for an insurance company, they want, uh, they, aside from being just good people wanting people to be healthier, one of the big drivers for them is probably having people be healthier so that they would have less, uh, less like health incidents and therefore less costs for the insurance firm, but also just showing that they're good stewards to the community. And so I think when you're approaching any sort of problem or any sort of idea, you have the direct and indirect implications of it. So you could think about um, like, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Like there were, you know, a lot of direct benefits of why would a health insurance company try to target food deserts, but then there's the indirect benefits as well. And so if you can start to kind of structure in your mind, the reasoning behind you're looking at something, uh, that'll help guide your research. So I used, I'd say a lot of, uh, you know, I thought about it from how, how can people receive food and you have, uh, you have food banks, you have services that do like Instacart that deliver groceries to people's homes. You have, there's different services that partner with like a Walgreens or a Target where you can uh, pick up meal kits there. There are places that do pre-cooked meal kits and drop it off there. I even came across like food trucks that donate proceeds um, that they earn and distribute free meals. There you have mobile mobile markets that are like grocery stores on wheels. And so there's all sorts of different ways. Uh, and once you, I'd say like, you would want to find, do your research and find out what that social impact idea is targeting or like how all the ways it's reaching out. And then you could figure out what would work best for you or how you could maybe improve upon something. And you could find, uh, you know, like a loop, a loophole where something isn't being done. And that was essentially how this idea was kind of coming together because I don't want to create anything that was already there. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for if you are pursuing a, a nonprofit or wanting to start something, like there are a ton of nonprofits out there. And one of the things I've tried to be conscious of is not, uh, not doing something that's already being done, especially close to proximity of me. And I was luckily able to flesh out an idea that doesn't seem like it's really being done. And yeah, I know I'm jumping all over the place, uh, but yeah, it just depends. Like if you're, if you're trying to start something on your own versus just doing research in general, those are like two different lenses to look at it through. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I've totally answered your question. You are okay. Yeah. I was kind of getting to the, alluding to the point of like, where would you look or what sources did you use in order to, I guess, like formulate your mission or your, your impact of like whatever social impact that you were trying to, I guess, dive deeper into. So for you, you kind of looked at, I guess, like similar avenues of people who do have, I guess, food or how is food distributed commonly. So we start looking at different avenues and how that is 
how that is delivered. Okay. And then from there, what is a loophole in which they're not doing that I could essentially take advantage of? And then this is how you formulated your whole idea. So I think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just to go off of that real quick, like I was reading this book the other day, um, it's called strategic intuition, but basically like any, any idea, like when you look at moments of big intuition, say, uh, say when like Bill Gates like started Microsoft or like the book talks about Napoleon, like the, the famous like war hero or whatever, whenever like they had big moments of strategic intuition, like when you have a moment of insight on an idea and come up with something, it's really a product of things you've seen in the past, just arranged in a, in a new way. And so going back to, to like say this idea, it would have never come up if I had never seen those prior examples or looked at, like done research on the ways food is being distributed. Um, but then eventually like when you've seen enough, your mind, the way our minds work, is like it'll rearrange it in a way to just connect things in a new way that, that, haven't, that hasn't been seen. And the best way to get to that is just, yeah, to continue to, to look at new situations. And um, I, I feel like, I'm not saying this is my, my nonprofit is like this huge uh, moment of insight. Like it's, I haven't, I haven't started yet, but I think there are some overlaps with, with that. And just um, when you're trying to come up with a new idea in general. Yeah, and um, really great advice. I don't have any questions, but I just want to say it's um, always so great to hear from you and all about all the cool stuff that you're always up to. Uh, and yeah, keep us posted on how everything goes with a drop in the desert. Hey, thanks, Devanshi. I'm glad you were able to, to come by and we'll definitely keep you guys updated. Um, yeah, it means a lot. And yeah, ha happy to help. However, if you guys ever have like, recruiting questions or you want to do a case interview let me know uh can help out with that or yeah if you're looking for more ways like to get involved if, if this is something that like if the idea i was telling you guys about today is of interest to you uh i have a really small team like it's me and uh pretty much me and my sister but happy to find ways for people to help out if if you're interested in that and I think it'd be cool to one day have a Bloomington farm. So there could be like a PC crossover into some of that eventually. I know I had, I had talked about that with Courtney and Shauna. So keep, I'll keep you guys updated. But yeah, best of luck with finals and everything. And I'm not sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thank you so much, Grant. I'll pass it over to Beja to wrap everything up. But it was awesome speaking with you again. Yes, thank you, finally, uh, Graham, or yes, thank you, finally, Graham, for hanging out with us for at least an hour and sharing some of your insights, sharing your non-for-profit, how you just started, and also that transition into, you know, full work time mode. I feel like some of us who might be scared of that, that might be a little bit of um, hesitation with it, but of course, we all sometimes have to jump off the cliff <laughs> and uh, yeah. kind of See, see what opportunities are out there. So I'm very excited to hear um, where our drop in the desert goes. Um, 
some more insights on that later on. And we just thank you again. And thank you for all of the listeners who will be listening to this at a later day. We hope that um, you know that you can reach out to the grant at any point in time. And as always, you can always keep Kesey in mind. Have a great day.